you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ, Bucky, together as we're just over a week away from the draft. Buck, how you doing? Man, I'm great. You talk about a week a week away from the madness and the chaos. As we get closer to it, uh, the more you hear, the more conversations that you have. Uh, man, it's... <laughs> this is a crazy process. It's a, it's a crazy process. And DJ, sometimes you have to go back and look at your original notes so you don't get caught up in the group think that you hear so much because we do so much TV. We do so many shows. We kind of recycle a lot of the same topics over and over again. You kind of find yourself kind of, I won't say being on, on, on autopilot, but sometimes things just kind of like fall out your mind. You're like, wait, what? I don't know if I really feel like wait. that. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like that. But you have to be careful. And so going back, looking at those original notes, because a lot of times I found for me, whatever I thought on the first at first glance is typically what I really, really feel. You can be persuaded. You can do little things that kind of change the opinion. But more times than not like that, I call it that blink scouting. Malcolm Gladwell, that first glance, that's kind of what you feel about it. And more time than not, for me, it's been most successful when I just kind of stick to my original instinct. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I'm the same way. I'll go back and look at what my first top 50 looked like and kind of see what guys have moved in either direction the most and make sure that I feel comfortable with that. Because there, I, I always talk about the fact you maybe get one pullback, you know, one, maybe you had one where you mm-hmm. just were off that, you know, off that day and, and you're, you're willing to concede it. Okay, I, I was off on that one. I'll pull that one back. And maybe there's one you were too hard on um, and you'll, you'll concede that as well. But you don't want to have too many of those where you're veering from where you initially had guys. Um, and, and that's where you get yourself in trouble. That is where you get yourself in trouble. And, you know, like for me, uh, the conversation was I just submitted a new top five. I think that's up. Like guys can kind of check that out. But, you know, the only major movement that I had were like some little tweaks to number ones and stuff like that. The conversation that we've had all preseason or pre-draft season has been like Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud. So I finally got to the point where I flipped them and I went back and I looked through my notes and just because it's so ingrained in me, I'm looking at my original scale, uh, grading scale. And it's funny that I had CJ over top of him the whole time, because when I look at the grade that I issued, um, I had CJ with a seven O with a plus on it. And so back in the day when I worked for the Seahawks, seven O was kind of like first round starter, whatever the plus is like a on the rise. But then I look at the grade that I gave Bryce, and I did them the same day. I had a, mm-hmm. a 7570, which is like top 10 grade or whatever. And so if you go by yeah. what it is that you originally thought, 
my original thought was Bryce Young over C.J. Stroud is just the reluctance that I had to do it. And I think some of that is because of the body type, like the skinny, yeah. slender frame. You know, it's kind of those things where Ron Wolf, you talk about, hey, if you start making exceptions, you have a team full of exceptions. And it's how long do you hold true to that before you say, hey, man, the guy, based on how you played, the guy was a better player. Even though you can like both of them, you can say, hey, it's 1A, 1B, or their cards touch. At some point, you have to say, like, Bryce Young was the more consistent player. And I think we had a conversation on the pod maybe last week or whatever we talked about. You can't find a stinker game. There's just yeah. not a there's not a there's not a stinker game. Yeah, there's some moments, but there's not a game where you can say, "Oh, we got to put that one in the trash." Like that's his mm-hmm. bad game that we need to go. There's just a high level of consistency and performance in those things. And over time, I mean, you have to give people credit for being able to be what we call a ninety percent free throw shooter. <laughs> like they go mm-hmm. to the line, they knock them down. There's something comforting about that, and so that ended up really being the deciding fact when it came down to what I think are two really good prospects. No doubt. Uh, and I, uh, I'm i with you on that in terms of going back and going through your notes and then crystallizing things. And you mentioned the, the fact that you have a team full of exceptions. I think this is a draft full of exceptions. There aren't a lot of clean players in this draft. You mm-hmm. know, and some people say, well, that means it's not a good draft. And I, I would say, well, you know what? We have some exceptional exceptions, though. Like in order to be successful and you don't fit all the specs, you got to be exceptional. And, and I think we do have some of those guys that are really, really good players, just don't happen to have the uh, – you know, have the typical traits and, and, and size and speed combination that we pr- normally prefer. This draft is just one of those uh, that comes around every now and then where we don't have a ton of those clean guys. So you got to have, you got to find out the guys that are exceptional. And I think Bryce Young, um, he fits that bill. Uh, we're going to have a fun episode today. What we're going to do is we're going to take the AFC and we're going to go over every single team in the AFC and, and kind of go over a draft plan for those teams. We've talked a lot about the individual players. We've talked about how you stack them, how you rank them. Uh, we've talked a lot about specifically the first round throughout this process. I thought this would be a healthy exercise. Just go team by team and look at a little bit of the draft strategy uh, that they could incorporate, you know, with the picks that they have, the needs they have, and, and what they need to get accomplished. So uh, here we go. We're going to kick this thing off. We're going to jump right in here. This is the AFC, uh, their draft strategy, their needs, all that kind of rolled up into one. Uh, we'll get this thing cranked up right now. Let's start in the AFC East. Um, and we'll just work here with the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills are picking 27th in the first round. They also have pick 59 and, and 91. Those are their first three picks. You look at a team um, that needs uh, needs another wide out. I, I think we you look at the firepower you need in the AFC, as good as they are and as, as, as many points as they scored last year, I think you still want even more. Um, you look at what they've added in the offseason. They bring in Damian Harris. They bring in uh, McGovern, uh, Connor McGovern as a, as a center. Uh, they bring over Taylor Rapp. They lost Tremaine Edmonds. They lost Singletary. They lost Crowder. They lost McKenzie. So a couple wideouts they lost as well as a running back. And the big one was their starting linebacker. So if you're looking at these needs, wideout, another weapon to add to this offense here. You look at the linebacker position to, to replace Tremaine Edmonds. And you look at maybe some defensive tackle as well. What do you prioritize here at 27? What makes the most sense based off how this draft lays out? The way this draft lays out, DJ, the Buffalo Bills should be the first team to take a linebacker. If you honestly look at it, you're more likely to find comparable value at wide receiver in the second round than you would to find a comparable linebacker in the second round because there's a huge drop-off. 
And so if you're sitting there at 27, or even if you drop back into the second round or whatever, um, they would almost have their pick of the litter when it comes to those guys in whatever order. Jack Campbell, Drew Saunders, Trenton Simpson, whatever it is, they would get a better player at linebacker by taking one in the first round, one that is probably more likely to replace what they're losing in Trent Edmonds, and find an upside wide receiver that could start and make things happen. The depth at wide receiver is better than the depth at linebacker. I would advise them to take the linebacker in the first round and then come back and get the uh, wide receiver in the second or third round because there are enough good guys that can come in and start at wide out. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. And I, I would add, you know, it just depends on if you love the receiver. If they love the receiver, mm-hmm. I think that, and I don't want to say, you know, the Mahomes doctrine, we need to come up with a name for this thing, whatever we're referring to this, of like offense over defense, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's, it is the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, no, Mahomes, I mean, it's like that's real. That's, that's, that's very real. Um, I mean, that's, that's the new reality that we're living in. If you're going to win in the AFC, and we, we've talked about it, we both work for teams where the first thing you do is you build a team to win a division. Well, now you got to expand it out because at some point you got to look at the teams that you're going to face to have to get to the Super Bowl. And so Kansas City is always going to be there with the quarterback. Uh, we can talk about the other teams with the quarterback. Cincinnati, you got to look at them because you just lost to them. And you got to deal with what you have um, in the division. So, yes, you, you have to think about in an arms race, we have a quarterback in Josh Allen that we feel like can compete with those guys. Does he have enough? And you got to mm-hmm. give him enough. So I can understand you making that point um, in terms of thinking about the team, even though I said if you look at the the, the value in the draft, it would, it would make more sense to go linebacker or whatever. But you always had that caveat, hey, man, what can we do to help the quarterback put us in a better position to win the game? Mm-hmm. So that that's the Buffalo Bills there. I would just add, if you're looking at wideouts, um, I, I, I've heard Quentin Johnston's name mentioned with Buffalo and with Kansas City. So I think he ends up going late in the first round. Uh, I wouldn't sleep on him there with the Bills. Let, let's get to the Dolphins, Buck. Again, no first-round pick. They pick 51. They pick 84. Uh, you could add a tight end. Uh, you could continue to add this this offensive line. Um, you look at the, at the running back position as well. Uh, when you pull up the Miami Dolphins and look at what they're playing with, in, in the backfield, um, you know, they've got a lot of guys. I think Mostert, Jeff Wilson, you know, they can committee it, which has kind of been the way that they operate. It's kind of the 49ers way of doing business. But I would say when you look at the Niners last year and their ability to throw Christian McCaffrey in there, a big time back, if mm-hmm. there's a back that they love, I wouldn't totally rule that out. But I would say priority wise, we probably slip that down the board a little bit. And I would think, you know, continuing to, uh, to throw uh, resources at the offensive line and maybe the tight end position could be where they go. Yeah, tight end is interesting because uh, for whatever reason, Mike McDaniel couldn't make it work with Mike Gesicki. It, it, it wasn't a fit. It didn't jive. But you have to think his experiences playing with George Kittle, he has a value for the tight end in this offense. So which tight end would be the right guy to fit how he wants to play in Miami? Uh, Gasicki was really a jumbo slot receiver. And so if they're going to go that route, when we think about like a flex tight end, I think it needs to be a flex tight end that can offer maybe a little more, a little more in the blocking game and those things. And so whether it's a a Sam Laporta who still needs to up the ante when it comes to the physicality, Mm -hmm. it has to be someone in my mind that can put the hand in the dirt and do some of the dirty work that Kittle did uh, to fit. Because it's obvious that Mike Gasicki was not, it was not their flavor in terms of what they wanted in a tight end. 
I wouldn't be totally shocked uh, because of the depth of the position and different flavors. If Darnell Washington made it to 51, I wouldn't be totally shocked. I wouldn't rule that out uh, that he could get there. He would be the one. So now he's he's the one that is different. It's just at 51, does he work his way down there? But, I mean, there's some scenarios and there's some things, some scuttlebutt about how he could find his way to being in range. And maybe it does take them to move up just a little bit to get him. Like, hey, if he falls, if he's in the 40s, let's make a move to get him. Because what he would do is he would give them, and I'm not saying this because I want to make sure in case the, the snippet comes out, he's not George Kittle. But what he yeah. can do is he can seal the edge in the running game like George Kittle has been able to do for the Niners for years. And when you think about a team that wants to run on the perimeter and on the edges, that tight end being able to control the defensive end is a very important piece. And so when you bring up Washington, it makes sense that maybe they would have their eye on him to replace that tight end position uh, where the war was created with Mike Gesicki leaving. Let's get over to the next team here, and that's the New England Patriots. The Patriots are picking 14, 46, 76. You look at them last year, Buck, on offense, they were last in the league in red zone offense. They were 27th in third downs. They were 26th in yards per game. Um, they've added Juju Smith-Schuster. They've added Mike Kosicki, who we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. So they've added some pieces here. But I still think, you know, with them trying to figure out the quarterback who had a really good first year and, and fell back a little bit last year, and everything was made about the lack of, uh, um, you know, lack of support he had from the coaching side of things. Um, they've got that squared away. Bill O'Brien's there now. It feels very offensy to me. Um, mm-hmm. They've got Riley Reef as their right tackle right now. That's a that's a band aid. Um, I could see them looking at right tackle uh, with that pick. I could also see them, you know, looking at the wide receiver position where you add Juju. You've got Kendrick Bourne. You've got Devontae Parker. You've got Tyquan Thornton. Like there, there's still. There is there a guy those list of guys I just gave you. Is there anybody when you're compiling the advanced scouting report that you circle and scares the crap out of you? No, it doesn't scare the crap out of you uh, at all. And the thing about the Patriots for so long, they've been able to get away with that. But part of the reason they were able to get away with it because a quarterback Tom Brady was so good that he could kind of mask their flaws. DJ, even though we haven't talked about, it, we haven't listed, is rarely kind of put in their thing as a needs. This is the team if Bijan Robinson is. Is, is in range, he needs to be the guy. And the reason why is he can kind of reset their offensive structure in terms of who you're worried about when you face them. Because the combination of B. John Robinson and Ramondre Stevenson gives them something where now on defense, you got to play them differently. And if you play them differently, it opens up the field for Mac Jones. And so as much as I would love, hey, let's get offensive tackle, whatever, to me, only Bijan Robinson. If Bijan Robinson is there at 14, they seriously have to entertain it because it gives them the Corey Dillon that they've had in the past. It gives them the Antoine Smith that they've had in the past. It gives them the big back, the back that you can kind of make the centerpiece, the focal point that will allow the game to be easier for the quarterback and the wideouts on the perimeter. Yeah, and I, I've got pushback from Patriot fans. I've, I've talked about this, and I said I would not rule this out. And so Ramondre Stevenson had a great year last year. Ramondre Stevenson is a really good player. He's a different player, though, than Bijan Robinson. Bijan Robinson gives you so much more, and I think they can coexist. I think you got to go back in, in the Wayback Machine when, when the Patriots revolutionized you know, 12 personnel and just said, oh, we're going to play with two tight ends. It's like, oh, why would they take a tight end? They've already got Gronk. That doesn't make any sense. Well, they, they, they have found ways to find advantages and to zig when others zag. 
and maybe they've got ideas that what they can do with having those two guys on the field at the same exact time because Bijan can throw them in the slot just as well as you can throw them next to the quarterback. Yeah, and and let's let's be real. A lot of what you're doing when you're team building is how can I get the max out of my quarterback? Well, let's go back to Alabama and look at what he had around him when he played at his best. What were the running backs like? How physical were they? What set the table for him? Those things kind of matter. So I want to give Mac Jones an opportunity to be at his best. And I think adding a running back of B. John Robinson's caliber certainly could be in play if he's around at 14. If not, then I think it's usual suspects. I think his offensive line is is trying to find some pieces to make sure that he's protected um, in typical Patriots fashion. But Robinson is kind of like the wild card. Yeah, no doubt. Um, It'll be interesting to see what the Patriots end up doing. All right, last team in that division, Jets. Uh, Jets are picking 13 for the moment, right? The the Rodgers thing has not happened. Uh, They've got those two second-round picks next to each other, pick 42, pick 43. Um, This is a team that has already added Alan Lazard and Nicole Hardman, so they've added firepower. Um, They end up trading more, Elijah Moore. Mike White, the backup quarterback, has moved on. You look at this team offensively, Buck, and you imagine a lot of these numbers change with Aaron Rodgers, even if he was 100 years old. Uh, this was 29th in points per game, 28th and third down, 31st in the red zone. Uh, got awful on offense, but they've added more firepower at the receiver position. The big thing's going to be with them, the offensive line. Can they stay healthy? They've been battling injuries. You end up getting Mekhi Becton back off injury, Elijah Vera Tucker back off injury. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't really have a center, I, I believe, that's going to be their starting center week one. They, they signed Wes Schweitzer. I don't think that's going to be the answer for them. Um, so when you look at them, offensive line, center, uh, continuing to add tackles, tackle depth here. You know, Max Mitchell played pretty well, but he got hurt last year. Uh, you get Beckton back, you have Dwayne Brown back, but I wouldn't rule out a tackle and uh, I wouldn't rule out a center. Wide receiver position, I know – you know, that's been mentioned. I feel like they're in pretty good shape, though, um, yeah. with what they've got. I, I, I would cross that one out. Um, I would look on the defense. Um, I would not sleep on defensive tackle with them. I know they're getting ready to pay Quentin Williams, um, mm-hmm. and they've, they've got Solomon Thomas back in there. They've got Quentin Jefferson. I, I, I could see them saying, okay, we, we have built kind of a behemoth with our, with our pass rush. Let's get another guy to go in there and, and play next to Quentin on sub inside and that's where like a guy like Kalijah Kansi's never been mentioned with the Jets like that one's kind of fun to me it is fun because Kalijah Kansi is a high energy player uh the one thing you know about Robert Sala and their defense they want to play with a lot of energy and they want to roll bodies through and so we keep making references to the San Francisco 49ers but all of those coaches that we're talking about enjoy their most success in San Francisco so they want to recreate that in their new destinations and so if you're the Jets you can never have enough big bodies up front. And also because they were most successful when they only rushed four and dropped seven in the coverage, this is a team that doesn't like the blitz. They've been better when they don't blitz. You have to have eight, nine guys that you can roll through there because you got to keep them fresh. If you're not going to help them with the scheme, you got to help them by bringing the depth so they can always kind of play uh, with their hair on fire. Yeah, and they've got guys that can kick in, too. I mean, you know, Carl Lawson could rush over a guard if you wanted to, but I don't know how long-term he's going to be there. Um, you look at, at other guys that they've got that can that can slide inside. Obviously, John Franklin Myers can kick in there. So they've got some versatile pieces, um, but, you know, I just I think they believe in the line of scrimmage. I do think they have to come out of those first three picks. Now, whether or not one of those picks is gone for Rodgers, we'll have to wait and see. One of those first three picks has got to be their starting center. And, and, you know, it's a good draft for centers. 
I think 13 is too early to take one, but maybe you trade back and take Tippmann uh, or maybe just sit there and say at 42 or 43, you know, John Michael Schmitz, one, one of those guys is going to be there. They're going to be able to get a center with one of those first three picks. Yeah, I mean, they have to get someone that control the point of attack. The second round seems like the sweet spot for that, uh, being able to address whatever they need in the first round, but then coming back in the second round, getting one of those centers. Uh, th- this year, we've talked about it. The athleticism that we've seen at center makes it where you can find the starter in the second or even the third round. Uh, I am okay with them getting the center, but I, w- I would think it wouldn't be day one. I think day two is probably more likely the sweet spot. Makes sense. All right, Buck, let's kick it over to the AFC North here. Cincinnati Bengals, 12-4. Um, this is a team picking 28, 60, 92. Um, you look at what happened in the offseason. They add Orlando Brown. Uh, they add uh, Ford. So they've got a couple offensive linemen that they've added in Cody Ford. They add Irv Smith, the tight end. They lose P. Ryan. They lose Hayden Hurst, the tight end. They lose Jesse Bates, big time uh, safety. And they lose Von Bell. So they lose a couple safeties there. You look at the needs, um, safety, tight end. Uh, running back because we don't know what's going to go on, go on there uh, with Joe Mixon. There's a, a couple different areas that this team could look to go. And I think even at the tackle position, if Jonah Williams is a trade candidate, you know, he asked, you know, you know, I think mm-hmm. I believe he actually requested a trade. So I wouldn't rule out tackle as well. Uh, you look at them uh, 29th in, in the run game last year, rushing yards per game. So uh, it's a couple of different areas they can go, but it seems to me, um, you're probably looking offense there unless it's going to be Brian Branch at safety. That'd be the only one I could think of with, with pick 28. Yeah, um, it, it has to be something on offense. I think you continue to throw pieces at the option. Like Jonah Williams wants to bounce in. You may accommodate his wishes uh, if you can find someone at the bottom of the, the first round to fill the spot. And there are plenty of guys that are those fringe candidates uh, that we talk about at offensive tackle, even if you have Orlando Brown and those things. So you continue to do that. Once again, we'll talk about it. We can't talk about it enough. It's about making sure Joe Burrow has what he needs. He is on the verge of signing a, a blockbuster deal. So you kind of want to get on the front end of building your team, knowing that you're going to have to pay him big bucks. And sometimes, DJ, that might mean, hey, man, let's draft the offensive tackle now because at least for the next four or five years, we have a, a, a cheaper option at a marquee position that we normally would have to overspend for. I would love to see Dalton Kincaid, though. Somehow he got there to where they're picking, pick 28. That would be a home run of all home runs for me. Uh, be fun to watch him play with Joe Burrow. Uh, all right, let's get it. Let's keep it moving here. Let's go Ravens. Uh, this is a team picking 22 and 86. This is a team that was offensively challenged last year, 28th in yards per game. Defensively, uh, pressure rate uh, percentage last year was 28th, so more pass rush. Um, again, more weaponry offensively. You look at the corner position, a place they could go defensively edge uh, as well as, as continue to look at this wide receiver position with, with Odell Beckham. Maybe that gets removed from the table. Yeah, with Odell Beckham Jr., I would remove the, the wide receiver thing from the table. I, I think a lot of this, DJ, like two things. We have to remember the, the Ravens that we know are, are no longer – the team that we remember them being in terms of like how they used to approach the draft and personnel. And so on defense, like they become more of a zone oriented uh, pressure based team, as opposed to the way they used to play with Wink Martindale. So now does that mean they still prioritize cornerbacks the way that they used to, because they're not playing as much man to man as they, they had in the past, or does it mean they kind of have to flip it and find dominant pass rushes because they didn't really value the pass rush with Wink. Remember mm-hmm. Wink Martindale would say, I can create it with schematics. Well, if they're not doing that, they're not blitzing like they were with him, 
Now you got to find guys that can win on their own. And so this is kind of, to me, like a an identity draft for the Baltimore Ravens. New offense coordinator, Todd Munkin, Munkin, what are you going to give them to allow them to be at their most successful? I don't know, man. I, I think I'm so off the radar with the Baltimore Ravens now because I have no idea what Todd Munkin wants to do if Lamar Jackson is the quarterback. What does this offense look like? There's not a point of reference based on how he called the game in college that would make you think like, oh, okay, this is what they're going to do with Lamar. Yeah, no, it's it's a fascinating team. I, I, I just keep coming back to the same name. I think Joey Porter Jr. gets there. He kind of fits them um, and their profile, what they look for in big, big rangy corners uh, would make some sense. So we'll see what the Ravens end up doing. Let's kick it over to the Steelers. The Steelers have picked 17. They actually have picked 32, which is a second round pick this year because the Dolphins lost their first round pick. Uh, but an incredible trade that they made um, that was able to net them the 30, 32nd overall pick. Uh, for Chase Claypool. They also pick 49 and they pick 80. Um, this is a team, I think offensive line has been a focal point for them. If you look an offensive line corner, um, it, it's kind of your your two places you want to look at, Buck. I feel like the order needs to be offensive line and then corner because the depth of the corner position, I feel like at 17, you get the offensive lineman that you like. Yeah, you get the offensive lineman that you like. And so you want to do that. You want to make sure you get back to playing the Steelers brand, the ball. Uh, this division is going to be, I mean, it's going to be its going to be tough because the Browns are going to be different than they've been in the past. The Bengals are sitting on top of the division. You would expect the Ravens to bounce back. And so the Steelers have to be able to play their style. And their style, to me, is still a physical brand. So, yeah, investing in the offensive line has to be a priority. They've added a couple of nice pieces in Samalo and Herbig, two guys that uh, they're real, real physical football players along the interior of that offensive line. So I would not sleep on tackle at 17, maybe come back at your corner at 32. Uh, the Browns, they are coming off a 7-10 and 10 season, Buck. They don't pick till the third round. They've got a couple, pick 74, pick 98. Um, defensive tackle, edge rusher has been, uh, has been a little bit of the focus there for that team. And you look at 74, 98, I think there'll still be some good value there for them. Yeah, I mean, it, it still will be plenty of value there for them. But honestly, DJ, their their draft picks, their first-round picks, Deshaun Watson. They went all in to get Deshaun mm-hmm. Watson, so he has to play at a level that makes them forget about those those first-round picks and those things. He has to be a franchise quarterback. He has to reemerge as a top-five player uh, for them to realize the potential that they saw when they made the move to get him. And so a lot of it is, yeah, they got to pick some players in the draft, but no, nah, they got to get number four right. They get number four right, then all this other stuff is a moot point. Yeah, keep an eye on Zach Pickens uh, as a defensive tackle. That's kind of in that range where they're picking in the third round. He's out of South Carolina. I think he'd be a fun player to add to their front. It was a front that did not rush the passer uh, as well as you would expect last year, coming off here where they were tied for 27th in sacks. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to jump over to the AFC South and the AFC West. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Buck, let's get to your Jags here. Uh, they are coming off in, in uh, eight and nine season here, uh, which was enough to get them into the postseason. They are picking 24, 56, and 88. Um, I'll give you the floor here on, on what you think the direction they could look to go here and the best way to combo these picks. So the best way to evaluate the Jaguars and where they could go, uh, they need someone that can play inside uh, DB. So they need a slot defender. They have Darius Williams playing out wide. He was originally brought in to be the knuckle, but he's most comfortable for them outside. So that means you need someone uh, that can come in. Like a Brian Branch would be ideal. If he's there at 24, to me, it's a no-brainer that he's a pick. Uh, we've talked about uh, Doug Peterson and in the past his affinity for tight ends. Uh, that could be another thing. We talked about going all in on the tight end position. Yes, you have Evan Ingram. Signed, well, he is tendered on the franchise. You would like to think he's going to sign a long-term deal. Well, you need to double up. You want to continue to give Trevor Lawrence multiple options. And given Doug Peterson history, I would just keep an eye on the tight end. Maybe in the first round. Highly likely maybe the second round. I think offensively, we talked about it. It's an arms race. Uh, I think there's a feeling in that building, hey, let's put points on the board. We score a lot. Of, we score mm-hmm. points. We score a lot. We have a defense that can play well enough to get us to the, the promised line. No doubt. Um, let's get it to the Titans. This is a team coming off a 7-10 year. Uh, they are picking 11, 41, 72. Um, you look at their roster, wide receiver, uh, that offensive line really kind of across the board they could look, and then linebacker are needs. At pick 11, um, I know the quarterback uh, situation has been brought up. You know, if one of those guys or multiple guys are there, maybe they would consider it. Um, but let's let's take quarterback off the table here. If you're having to make a decision between, you know, one of these offensive linemen, uh, at 11, or if you have the pick of the litter, if you are sitting there and, and whether that's Jackson Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, whoever that guy is, um, do you sit there and look at this offense and say, we need some we need some firepower to go along with what we hope Traylon Burks is going to be? Uh, I think if you're the Titans and Mike Vrabel, uh, you don't think about the firepower on the outside. You got to get back to being able to beat people up in the trenches. Last year, they didn't win because they got hurt and the trenches, and they couldn't impose their will on opponents. Derrick Henry is still there, and we would like to think he's going to be there for the next year or two. As long as he is there, that gives them a chance to control the game and get the game on their terms. The only way you can do it, though, you have to be able to at least control the line of scrimmage, and so I think they invest in the bigs. Yeah, signing Andre Dillard kind of threw me for a loop a little bit because when they signed him, he is a pass-protecting finesse left tackle. They drafted Petit Freer the year you know, in the last draft, obviously, Rand Carthon was there as a GM. He's kind of a pass-protecting, more finesse tackle. So I'm like, is this team trying to transition? You know, are they trying to transition out of what mm. they've been and become more of a pass-heavy team? Like, that's that's almost what I wonder if they feel like they hit their head on the ceiling playing that way, and now they're going to try and morph and change and maybe be a little bit more spread, maybe be a little bit more, um, you know, playmaker-centric. Because I know one thing, the trade of A.J. Brown was not popular upstairs uh, in that at the ownership level, I don't think that went over well. Um, it, 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 it certainly didn't go over well after you saw how well he played 
Philadelphia yeah. Eagles to let a homegrown guy, a guy that you drafted in the second round, a guy who has played at a Pro Bowl level, a guy who um, dominated on catch and run plays and play action plays, to let him walk out the building and go to Philadelphia and help Philadelphia reach the Super Bowl. Yeah, it doesn't. It certainly didn't play well. So we'll see if they can kind of become maybe a little more finesse in their approach. But if they're going to do that, then quarterback has to be a top priority. No doubt. All right, Colts uh, picking four thirty-five seventy-nine. Obviously, quarterback the big need there. You can look at corner, tackle, uh, wide receiver. This offense was thirty-first in sacks last year, thirty-second in giveaways. The defense was terrible. They were dead last in the red zone last year. Uh, but if we assume quarterback is the pick at four, let's get to pick thirty-five. You know, you look at corner, offensive tackle, wide out. To me, Buck, I think this offensive line, which was not very good last year, seems to be the priority with that second pick. Oh, uh, they were terrible at the line of scrimmage. They got to get back. They have a lot of money invested in the offensive line, but you can't just uh, count on those guys to just improve because you had a, a scheme change, a new voice. Uh, you want to invest in that. And so if you're Chris Ballard, man, you have your eyes on the prize. You're looking for one of those uh, offensive linemen to suddenly be there uh, at the top of the second round. You want to make sure you upgrade this offensive line. It's on them to get better, the returners, but you still want to add talent to their room. Pick 35, Cody Mauk, North Dakota State. I can get on board with that. Uh, all right, Texans, they are obviously picking 2, 12, 33, 65, 73. They are loaded with resources offensively. They were terrible. 30th in points per game. Uh, defense, they were last against the run. So you're looking at quarterback, you're looking at edge, you're looking at uh, offensive line, defensive line. You know, you continue to look at receiver. I, I would say if they, you know, we've kicked around pick number two and all the options there, and that'll be a big talking point. But when we get to pick 12, if I'm going to tell you right now, pick 12, you've got a choice uh, going along that offensive line or defensive line. Where would you pr- prefer to build there uh, with that team? Uh, with that team, because of D'Amico Ryan's a defensive-minded uh, coach, um, I think defense. He's going to try and recreate what he had at his disposal in San Francisco. Um, they're going to try and get – enough talent. They're going to try to have enough uh, depth to be able to roll guys in. And so defensive line is the play. I wouldn't be surprised if they doubled up. DJ took one at two, came back and took another one at 12. Um, He knows the defense is his baby. He wants to be able to play lockdown defense because they gave the Niners a chance when their offense, look, their offense was a little up and down, but the defense carried the water for a long time last season. Well, they've got a good spot here. They've got a left tackle. They've got a right tackle. They've got a left guard. You've got Tunsil. You've got Titus Howard. You've got Kenyon Green. Those are all really, really uber-talented players. So the offensive line, they've got other guys they can line up and play with. Um, Mm -hmm. I think you could look at them adding a center um, potentially, but I think they're good at tackle. So uh, to me, I think defensive line is where they go with that 12th overall pick. It's just a matter of who it is. Uh, Keep an eye. To me, Van Ness makes a lot of sense if he gets there uh, from Iowa. All right, let's get over to the AFC West, our, our time we have remaining here, Buck. I know we're up against it. Uh, Chiefs picking 31, 63, 95. You can look at the tackle position, obviously, the, the receiver position, the edge position. Uh, which way would you go at 31, knowing that those are your needs in this draft? Uh, well, I got number 15, so it doesn't matter. We got to the Super Bowl before we even ready last year, so now I want to make sure he's comfortable. <laughs> I'm going to ask Pat, what else do you think we need? We lost Juju Smith-Schuster, which is a significant loss because he did some of the dirty work. Uh, you can count Kadarius Toney uh, as maybe a draft pick because they, they look, I mean, they got him for peanuts. Uh, it didn't cost him much to bring him over from a first-round pick. Uh, you still can add a wide receiver, uh, but I think you got to find somebody else to replace Frank Clark. I know you have Chris Jones in the building. You took George Kaloftis last year. You still need another one. 
you can't go wrong having multiple guys up front. If there's a pass rusher, a high-energy pass rusher sitting there staring at them at 31, I think they pull the trigger on the pass rusher. Yeah, I I, uh, I have a great fit for them. Uh, I would love to see Felix and Adike Uzama, FAU, as everybody FAU. likes to call him, out of Kansas State. That would be a popular pick there in that building. Um, I think you look at them coming back for receiver later, trying to add some speed at pick 63 or 95. Trey Palmer is a name I'm going to throw out there to you, Buck. Just keep that one. Oh, yeah. Uh, keep that one in the back of your mind as a fit there for the Chiefs. All right, Chargers, 10 and 7. Wild card loss last year to the Jags. Uh, we were both in the building for that one. They picked 21-54-85. 30th in the league in the run game. They were terrible against the run once again, 28th there. So you look at defensive line, look at wide receiver, corner, uh, tight end. Those are the different positions you're looking at. Um, you know, on this one, Buck, calling these games, I, I think if, if they keep those wideouts healthy, as much as you'd love to have the speed element, I think you could find the speed element a little bit later on, as we were talking about with the Chiefs, find that pure mm-hmm. speed guy. Because, I mean, we're, who are you going to take off the field between Keenan, Mike, and Josh Palmer? Josh Palmer had almost 1,000 yards last year. So I think that's a fourth receiver complimentary piece that you can find in the middle rounds. I like the idea of them going with the tight end. I, I love the fit of Kincaid there. You know, I'm a big Dalton Kincaid guy. Um, I love that opportunity with him. And then I also look at corner, um, and, I, and I look at our, our Maryland corner as somebody that's kind of interesting for them as well. Yeah, no, the, Lante Banks is is, is special. Uh, he's special because of the length. He's special because of what he brings. And he's just scratching the surface of his potential. I'm kind of like you, though, DJ. Tight end position is one. They haven't really been right at tight end since Hunter Henry left. Uh, you go and get someone that can control the middle of the field. That will help. I also think big back. I'm talking about a banger, a 220-plus back to compliment Austin Eckler. Uh, yeah, I know Austin Eckler is disgruntled, but he's coming back at least for a year. If you can find a big back to do some of the dirty work, I think you can preserve him and keep him fresh for the postseason. Yep, I like that. Uh, Raiders, 6-11. and 11. Quarterback, D-line, corner. They pick 7, 38, 70, 100. We've talked a lot about 7 with them. Let's take 7 off the board. Let me give you pick 38 and tell you you've got your choice there at 38 of one of these corners or one of these uh, edge rushers. Who would you Who would you look at there? Uh, um, I would say corner. Uh, the, the edge rushers, I know they want to get more from Chandler Jones. They have Max Crosby there, but they need to be able to cover. In this division, with all these wide receivers and playmakers, you got to be able to cover. you got to be able to hold up. And you're not going to be able to just put them in a rolled zone and have them squat and play the flats and those things. you got to have someone that can legitimately cover. So if I'm the Raiders, I'm looking to add a cover corner, someone that can handle man-to-man and zone responsibilities, but he has to be able to play one-on-one. He can't have a lot of assistance because it'll mess up the structure of the defense that they want to play. Last in the league in takeaways last year, so preferably somebody who can go get the football. Let's see Emmanuel Forbes, uh, if he somehow got to pick 38, even though he's 166 pounds, would be a heck of a pick. <laughs> um, Broncos, Broncos 5-12. and 12. Russell Wilson trade, not picking a lot there, so they're picking 67, 68. Uh, interior offensive line, you got D-line linebacker, um, a couple areas they could look there. Uh, third round, Buck. You know, linebackers, not a great class this year, but I think that's uh, that's somebody you can find in 67, 68. You got a chance to find somebody who can maybe come in and play for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, 67, 68, you, you're trying to find someone who has been dinged for some reason but has the ability to play and outplay his draft status. And so look for them to really investigate, like someone who 
maybe is kind of flying under the radar, but they need a linebacker. I mean, they need those guys. Like the guys they have, Alex Singleton is fine. Uh, Josie Jewell is, is, is fine, but you would certainly like to have better. But if you can't find that, then I think it's back to Sean Payton trying to look at this offense. And the one thing that stands out to me is last year, I think everyone was raving about the Broncos wide receiver core, talking about, oh, they got KJ Hamler, mm-hmm. Sutton, and this. But we've heard that, I mean, Sutton and Judy both have been dangled on the market. So to me, mm-hmm. if they're trying to get Russell back on track, you can see a little more of the Seattle Russell, a little more controlled passing game, more running game. And so I'm thinking big bodies up front to allow them to run the football because Russ is at his best when the pitch count is low, 25 to 27. Mm-hmm. Let him work within those parameters. That's when you see the best of Russell Wilson. Yeah, and I just think, you know, the thing about Sean Payton is I don't think you can rule out them just going back to the line of scrimmage. He's always invested in big guys, offense, defensive line. So I wouldn't rule out defensive line there at 67 or 68 as well. Um, all right, that was it. We jammed through the AFC. We will have another episode with the NFC. That's going to be coming your way shortly. I hope you guys have enjoyed this one, and we will catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.